0: Hey y'all, and welcome to The Podluck, serving up bite-sized tastes of the best theology. I'm your host, Megan Westra. Grab a plate, and let's dig in. Good luck. I'm your host, Megan Westra. We are here rounding out the preseason episodes that will help give us grounding for the conversation that we're having here in season one on the question, what does it mean to be saved? So I've just spent the last four episodes talking about different atonement theories, different ways that we understand what happened when Jesus was crucified, what was going on, and what are the results of that. So I want to spend the next three episodes talking about how far-reaching that salvation is. Uh, So today we're going to talk about exclusivism, which is for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, the understanding that we grew up with. This is the predominant position in the evangelical church uh, in the United States. And so this is going to be familiar for a number of people. The exclusivist position in a nutshell would say that there's only one true religion that points to God and that in order to be saved or to be rescued or restored or you know, depending on the atonement theory at play, uh, you know, the, the only way to achieve that salvation, whether it's a liberating or moral exa- moral example or... Uh, penal, substitution, whatever, the only way to achieve that is to adhere to that religion. There are varying degrees of exclusivism. There are people who are really, really, really closed and who would go so far as to say that if you are outside of our specific denomination, um, that you're outside of the bounds. Um, I live in a Midwestern state and there's a branch of... Denomination that won't even pray with people outside of uh, that denomination. So very, very strong exclusivist position. Then there are people who are like, well, no, just be a Christian of some sort. Um, You know, whatever Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, whatever. Just be a Christian. The but this is the driver the exclusivist position it's a driver of some of the schisms that we see in church history so between the eastern orthodox and the catholic church uh, in the reformation between the catholic and the protestant church uh, exclusivism is a driver of schism so i grew up with a version of understanding salvation that said that a personal profession of faith in jesus christ is the only way to salvation This is also a position that was held by people in the early church. So Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, and Clement of Alexandria, all of whom we referenced in earlier episodes, also all adhered to an understanding that evil would ultimately be separated from God, but they had a different view of atonement than most Protestant evangelical exclusivists, right? Justin and Irenaeus were forerunners of Christus Victor, you can reference back to season, pre-season 1 episode 4 on Christus Victor, um, and Clement held moral exemplar as a, as a theory of atonement. That's episode 5. So for these, salvation wasn't the result of declaring a belief in a set of ideas without a shift in behavior or access to systems of authority. For people that grew up in communities that I grew up with, it was good enough if you prayed the prayer of salvation. And, uh, you know, when I was Southern Baptist, at least, if you also were baptized, well, you didn't have to be baptized to be saved, but it was certainly recommended. <laughs> so for Justin Martyr and Irenaeus and Clement of Alexandria, for them, the way that they viewed salvation, yes, it was exclusive. And also, all of these early Christians lived before Constantine converted, which meant that there was still a lot of persecution of Christians happening in their reality. It was still politically, economically, and socially disadvantageous to be a Christian. So when they talk about uh, Christ being the exclusive way, the only way, that also means that they are putting limits on the access that they have to systems of power or to financial gain or to political standing or social standing. Um, When we consider appeals made by these early sources to exclusivism, it should be held within that broader context, that when we read early church figures talking about evil being eternally separated from God or Christ is the only way, that this isn't a light claim, that it's something that is all-encompassing for their whole lives. And it's not arguing about whether or not we should say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. That's a severe malignment of what we would think of as exclusivism within a historical context of the church. Um, Jesus alone is Lord, they would say, but that's a political statement as much as it is a religious one. In the world of Justin, Irenaeus, and Clement, Caesar was thought of to be a representation of a god or the son of God. Where do we hear that language, right? And when Caesar died, he would become one of the gods again. So claiming the exclusive lordship of Christ, the exclusiveness of the triune God, put Christians in direct opposition to the forces and the benefits of the empire, which is why persecution was such a big deal. But the way that I encountered the framing of exclusivism was largely developed in the Protestant Reformation, which ironically was a giant, bloody, deadly argument over whose version of church was the right one. Which means it was also highly informed by penal substitutionary atonement. Jesus alone paid the price for my personal sins, so he is the only way to eternal life. Which is a lot different than what Justin and Irenaeus and Clement were saying. It doesn't make it wrong or bad necessarily, it just means it's different. So the biblical basis for this exclusivist position, people will appeal to a lot of different places in scripture, but some of the common verses people look to is Romans five two, uh, through him, Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Second uh, Corinthians 5.20, Christ who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, which is also a common one for penal substitutionary atonement. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, Jesus alone is the name under heaven by which we must be saved. At its best, exclusivism can build a strong sense of belonging for its adherents. It can have a strong moral center and a capacity to stand up against unjust systems and powers like Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. The challenge of exclusivism, though, is that there's a tendency toward violence, especially now that Christianity is often united with the colonizing or imperial powers of this world. There was a shift that occurred in the 300s when Constantine became a Christian or professed some sort of belief or faith in Christ on his deathbed. I have feelings. That's not for today. Another challenge with exclusivism is there can be a rigid overemphasis on being right rather than embodying love for God and love of neighbor, which is what Jesus said the greatest commandment is, right? So exclusivism has some benefits, has some challenges too, like most things. This has been the Podluck. Thank you so much for listening. To make sure that you never miss an episode, especially our upcoming regular season episodes, which are going to be so good, make sure that you have subscribed on whatever platform you listen to. If you are on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you leave a rating or review, as that helps the pod look be more visible to others. And y'all, I gotta say... um, It's really awesome to watch these reviews roll in or these ratings roll in. um, And I'm super, super excited about all of the five-star ratings. Thank you so much. Uh, If you could leave a written review, that's super helpful too. And I know that that takes more time, uh, but I'm super appreciative of those reviews as well. I'll take some time during the regular season to read a review um, at the beginning of each episode. Um, to support the Podluck, you can visit our Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get into the exclusive Podluck Slack channel where we are discussing this and other episodes um, and our thoughts or opinions or feelings about the content. Um, to join the conversation, share your thoughts or share episodes online, use at Podluck Podcast on Twitter or at the Podluck Podcast on Instagram. This has been The Podlock. Next time, tune in and grab a plate as we dig in to religious pluralism.